Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Nerd Degree! Hello everyone, kia ora koutou. Uh, welcome tonight, my name is Erin Harrington and tonight I am your host and host as in person who is hosting a podcast, not host of a number of really kind of violent parasites because on behalf of the Wayland Utani Corporation I would like to welcome you all to this very special episode of The Nerd Degree. That is because tonight we are celebrating a very significant nerdiversary. 40 years ago today, the 25th of May 1979, was the initial US release of Ridley Scott's classic sci-fi horror Alien, which wormed its way into our hearts and then burst from our collective chests. <laughs> so what we're going to do tonight is pay tribute to Alien, its uh, three sequels, its two prequels, its crossover films and all the games, toys, comic, costumes, memes, cosplay, porn, fanfic and regrettable HR Giga tattoos that it has inspired. <laughs> Uh, we're also going to be looking out into the stars to all manner of other alien creatures because honestly nobody really wanted to watch Alien vs Predator Requiem again. So uh, tonight uh, we have a panel of five nerds and I'd like each of them to introduce themselves by telling us uh, who they are but also maybe their favourite bit of Alien or their favourite Alien bits or uh, something maybe in the middle. Let's start over here. Uh, kia ora, my name's Mawata, and my favourite uh, bit of Alien is, and I've, I've brought a prop along with me, this is a, um, <laughs> a fluffy white cat that I may have turned ginger uh, by <laughs> nefarious means, um, is Jonesy. Like, why is there a cat in space? <laughs> but I don't know, it just seemed like kind of fucking amazing and weird and random that they had a cat on their spaceship, but why the hell not? <laughs> So support animal. Yeah. Yeah. Space rat. Boy, did they need one. Yeah. Very good. Hello, my name is Scott. Uh, I'm a, a writer and a marriage celebrant. And my favourite bit about Alien is that the ship Nostromo was originally called the Snark. That was the, the original Ooh. name of, of the ship. It's unknown whether or not it was a boojum. But it was good stuff. Yeah. Oh, deep, deep cut. Deep cut. Deep cut, yes. We're just sounding out what flavour nerds were yeah, yeah, yeah. in the audience tonight. Yeah. What, was was that the flavour nerd you were hoping for? Next time, man. We will adapt to our individual uh, group. Uh, kia ora, my name is Jeff Clark. I'm an improviser, comedian, writer. And uh, my first introduction to the world of Alien was actually through the Mel Brooks movie Spaceballs. If you, um, if you recall, there is a little sequence in Spaceballs where uh, a guy... Uh, eats something from the diner and then falls over and goes, oh no, not again. And then a singing, tap dancing alien bursts out of his chest and sings, hello my honey, hello my darling, and does a little song and dance number. So um, that was my first sort of uh, introduction to the law. So imagine my surprise when I watched the original Alien and realised it was not actually a musical. <laughs> um, very disappointed. Very disappointed, but have loved the movies ever since. Yeah. In space, no one can hear you harmonise. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm a known biological entity. And the uh, <laughs> my favourite part of Alien, I think, is when Tom Skerritt goes up into the event and he looks for the alien, and which is a terrible idea. <laughs> but then he, then he turns it, he puts up the light, and the alien's up ahead of him. He sees the xenomorph right there, and then it goes... Jazz hands! <laughs> and it's hilarious. See, that was um, misleading. Like, yeah. I thought that was about to be a number. Yeah, he did. The alien just goes, whoa! Like, this is quite funny. Um, Favourite bit of an alien? Um, I like the fuzzy little patch of hair on Yoda's head. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm. 
Uh, hi, my name's Andrew. Uh, I'm a writer and um, filmmaker, and uh, I exist <laughs> outside those things as well. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite alien bit is um, uh, the implement that I have to use when I'm writing my xenomorph um, that goes in its mouth and it enables me to kind of steer my xenomorph. <laughs> um, and it needs an, another smaller one, of course, to, uh, <laughs> to go on the front of it. It's very, very useful, but very expensive and niche. Yeah. It's, it's very good. My, um, my favourite bit of Alien is the bit of Alien that wasn't made, which is uh, the version of Alien 3 that was the original unrequited uh, vision of uh, New Zealand artist and filmmaker Vincent Ward. Yeah. Um, and if you go onto his website, you can see in beautiful kind of illustrated format his vision for the film, which was set on a wooden satellite that was populated by monks who were then uh, terrorised by the alien. Um, and if you have seen Alien 3, and lots of people haven't because people say it's terrible, um, and it kind of is, but I really like it anyway, um, you can see uh, the way that, that much of the set still kind of looks like the in interior of a cathedral because they'd already started building the sets before they went, no, bring the release date forward, and it all went to shit. Would so. a wooden planet have space borer? Maybe. Like termite, space termites kind of... <laughs> Those are just the aliens. Yeah, the aliens are effectively the termites. It's yeah. a metaphor for bad, bad, you know, badly treated wood yeah. in construction. Is Space yeah. Borer the sequel to Space Balls? Yeah, that would be we'll good. Keep going that note. That yeah. joke didn't land. No, no. Let's go. <laughs> Still searching that line. It's out there somewhere. We're figuring it out. We're figuring it out. Okay, so tonight each nerd has brought along both a round to share and a bit of uh, homework. Uh, my role in this is that I'm going to be playing Mother, the fascist corporate-controlled AI in charge of the ship, <laughs> who keeps tabs of the scores and the life support, and they'll be the scrappy working-class collective battling it out to see who makes it to the escape pod to tend to the cat. Because normally we'd uh, play for a prize. Tonight the prize is being the only one left alive. <laughs> so let's find out who is the wittiest nerd or the nerdiest wit. I would like uh, Scott, you to start. You've brought us around, yes? Yes, I have. Okay, so... Uh, the film Alien featured a, a fierce apex predator with razor-sharp claws and a complete disregard for humanity stalking the hallways of the Nostromo. Uh, there was also a xenomorph in a couple of scenes. But that's not important right now because I want to talk about the ship's cat, Jones, also known as Jonesy, also known as You Little Shithead. <laughs> and we have the lovely prop that Moira brought here just to remind us of, of what, what Jones the cat, the ship's cat, looks like. And so this round is entitled In Space, No One Can Hear You Go... <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, so uh, this is the, the Jones the Cat memorial uh, round um, Because Jones it wasn't the only cat I think he's the greatest cat in space I think we can probably agree on that But there are other cats in the, in the pantheon of, of, of uh, fiction and science uh, out there um, uh, As an example, recently there was uh, uh, Goose the Cat in, in Captain Marvel uh, Who was... Technically not a cat. Nor a goose. Yeah. <laughs> um, spoilers. But, um, but there are some other cats I want to talk about. So um, I have a few cats to discuss. So first of all, uh, in question form. Okay, so uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, the, the android character Data uh, had a pet cat called Spot. Uh, a, a, an heroic feline who saved the crew uh, on at least one occasion and, and helped Data to, to learn how to feel emotions. But my question is, what was unusual about Data choosing Spot for the name of the cat? Didn't do it, Jeff. Yeah. It Jeff. was a stripy cat. 
That's right. It was, in, in fact, a strike against no good. spots at all. Yeah. No spots at all. I wonder if Data was a, a fan of Gremlins and was concerned that uh, he might uh, get confused with the baddie in that film. But no. Isn't Spot also kind of more, more commonly known as the name of a dog? That's, a, that's also a, a point that you could make. Maybe, 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 <laughs> maybe Data just never read those books. No, no, I think, uh, yeah, Android children's books are flavors of these. They're just QR codes, aren't they? Just like big black and white shapes. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> it, one year before Alien came out, in 1978, there was a film that Disney released called The Cat from Outer Space. The Cat from Outer Space is a real film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. have you seen it, Jeff? I think I have. That's a Disney movie, right? It's a Disney movie. Yes! Yes, although uh, I think all, all movies these days are Disney movies, aren't they? They, <laughs> they own everything. But back then it was more of a novelty to be a Disney movie. Um, so, so what happens is that uh, a UFO makes an emergency landing on Earth uh, and, and the, the government take it into custody and, they, they, uh, and the, the occupant of the, of the flying saucer is a cat-like alien named Zunar J59 Doric 47. <laughs> who gets um, nicknamed by a, a military scientist, Jake. Um, now, Jake has, is wearing a collar which uh, amplifies telekinetic and tele telepathic abilities, um, basically a hand-wavy way to do magical things. Uh, and um, so he, he uh, befriends the scientist Frank, uh, Dr. Frank Wilson, and they, and they, they go on hijinks, and they, they realise that they, he needs to give it back to his mothership. Um, the cat Jake, uh, and, and they need they need gold. That's the element they need for for the ship. Um, so how they do they? Need tin foil, they? No, they don't need tin <laughs> had Plenty of that in reserve. But so my question is, how in this film do they go about getting gold? Do they do they like rob Fort Knox or something? Is that like did they just aim really high and just? Not quite. No, no. you you kind of on a. Not hmm. similar track, yeah, not quite they that. travel back in time to the gold rush. <laughs> <laughs> no time travel. Stake their claim. No. Um, they uh, stake out the wedding industry, because um, that's a thing you can do. Uh, they just, just go to wedding venues and just kind of neck them in. Shantytown. They went to Shantytown. They <laughs> <laughs> did the little thing, the panic, and they got a little bit of it like that to take home with them. They raid the graves of the dead and take the gold teeth. You're, you're, you're kind of circling it. So, um, so <laughs> it's, it's quite a wide orbit, to be fair. Um, uh, so, uh, the what actually happened? I'll tell you because I'm not going to. Yeah, let's not belabor this. Um, so, one one of Frank's uh, friends is a bit of a gambler, and uh, they figure out that they can bet on the horses. <laughs> what? And, <laughs> and he can use his collar to control the horse to go faster. Oh. I know, right? It's brilliant. Except that. Jake gets um, uh, abducted while the horse is uh, in action so that their horse doesn't win and they can't get their $120,000 of gold and then they have to go to uh, the... Do they pay out in gold? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> then they go to a local pool hall and place bets on... Uh, I don't think they actually get the money in the end. They just kind of... <laughs> Jake, I don't Jake, understand why this film... I thought Jake... I know, right? Doesn't Jake decide to stay at the he end? Does. He does. He becomes a United States citizen. Oh. Oh. So, there you go. That's how it ends. Um, so, they never get the money, but, but yeah, that they, they, didn't, they got what they needed, but not what they wanted. America's the winner on the day. That's right. There we go. So, no points there. <laughs> I thought that was an easy one. Okay, moving along. <laughs> Cats in space. Uh, the cat from Red, Red Dwarf. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, who, of course, is, is a descendant of uh, Dave Lister's pregnant pet house cat Frankenstein, 
uh, descended evolved over three million years until we looked uh, humanoid. Uh, and that's just a bit of a, a segue to get me to uh, a question I could think of in relation to this, which is that um, <laughs> the Red Dwarf is a ship and the Nostromo is a ship. Okay. Uh, yes. So far. Yes. Okay. True. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the Nostromo itself is just the tug. It's 250 yeah. metres long, but it's tugging a giant oil, uh, mineral oil refinery behind it. So my yeah. question is very simple. Which of the two ships, the Red Dwarf or the Nostromo, plus its payload, is larger? Red Dwarf is bigger. That's correct. How much bigger? Uh, quite a bit bigger. Let's talk about length only. Okay, three times as long. I think that's, that's, that's close enough. It's, um, it's four times as long. Four times as long, okay. Uh, 2.5 kilometres for the, uh, uh, the length of, of, of Nostromo plus its, uh, its uh, trailer. Can I have uh, a point for knowing the name of the trailer? What's the name of the trailer? It's called the Narcissus. Ooh. Ooh. No, it's not. What? What? <gasps> that's the name of the escape vehicle, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. Maybe oh. someone in the audience might like oh. to go. <laughs> <laughs> They're going online. But the Red Dwarf is 10 kilometres long. Yep. 10 kilometres long. There you go. So, uh, yes, well done, Batman and... Yeah. You put Alien Trailer in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just go by what Scott said. Go to page three. Trailer. No, I put Nostromo trailer. <laughs> okay. Shall we, shall we move? Okay, I've got one, one more question for you. Um, so I've been talking about uh, cats in space and science fiction, but let's move to reality because um, uh, there, there are cats in, in the real world also. Um, you may have met yeah. some. And my question is very simple. How many cats in real life have been to outer space? The Russians were firing all kinds of things into space. <laughs> I mean, for, for a while they were just sending anything. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. they could, whatever dogs, was walking past at the time. Dogs, chimps, humans. So I reckon the Russians sent at least a cat, one cat into space. I mean, there, there, was, there were a lot of uh, space missions in the 60s, which was like, you know... And they were tripping. Like, cats. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like... Crazy, crazy <laughs> cats. All of, the, all of the astronauts were squares. I think we can say that. And they've said women. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, more than zero cats have been sent into space, and it was the French, the French who did it, <gasps> not the Russians. If that helps. It doesn't, but you know. Oh, yeah, they did like experiments on like Ooh. what what happened when you because you know you drop a cat and it lands on its feet, but what happens if there's no zero I gravity? Know, spin. They used it as a power source. Okay, okay, I, I picking, I'm picking up the subtle pun that you've hit it in there. Four, un, deux, trois, cat. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remove the three quarters of a point that you got. This is how I lose all of my points. Yeah. <laughs> is it four? It is not four. I, I embedded no pun. Ah. Um, any any yeah. last takers? Nine. One is the correct answer. One, One is the correct answer. The, the name of the cat was Felicet. Uh, launched from uh, from the, the Sahara Desert. In, on the 18th of October 1963, uh, the only cat to have survived spaceflight. Um, Wait, how many, how many did they say that didn't survive? They, they sent a second one six days later, but the mission, mission uh, the, the rocket exploded on, on a set. Oh, but um, but you'll be happy to know that Felicet uh, a flight lasting 13 minutes reached a height of 152 kilometres, including five minutes of weightlessness. 
Uh, Finisette was recovered safely after the capsule was ejected from the rocket and it parachuted, parachuted to Earth. So a nice happy ending for the cat. Right. Until two months later when she was killed so that scientists could examine her brain. Oh. 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 What? Come on, science. Nothing good ever came with science. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, that brings us to the end of the Jones the Cat memorial round. And people did pretty poorly, yeah. I have to say. Uh, Andrew's got maybe two points. Ben has oh, one. No, I, was, I, was I was wrong about the nurses. <laughs> oh. Andrew has one. Jeff, Jeff had one and three quarters, but I docked him. Yeah. Um, Moata has one, and cats get ten for uh, taking on the mantle of our sins. So at the moment, um, cats are in the lead. The next round is Andrew. I think you have a round for us. I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't have a, a clever pun name for it. Um, I can help here. <laughs> I, have, I have a series. I have a series of quotes from um, not just not just the Alien franchise, but just films and TV shows and video games and things that have aliens in them. Uh, and I will read out these quotes, and um, the first person to ding in with that can correctly identify the uh, the text that it's from, um, and the uh, and or the alien that it refers to. Well, well, I'm assuming be awarded yeah. some points. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, very well. Um, on the 23rd day of the month of September, in an early year of a decade not too long... It's uh, from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. It's nope. described. No. Mm. The human race suddenly encountered a deadly threat to its very existence. And this terrifying... <gasps> <laughs> it's the openings, uh, opening number from Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. Spoken by the narrator. <laughs> and the alien is... is the Audrey 2. Correct. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I think yeah. he can have a, a clap. There you go. I should have got that earlier because I've actually been in two productions of Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> one of which I played Seymour, who's the person who uh, raises the, uh, the plant. And the, another production later where I actually got to be the voice of the plant of, of Audrey 2. could you keep going, please? Yes, <laughs> Um, I'm still collating, actually, but um, I've confirmed that he's got an outer layer of protein polysaccharides. He has a funny habit of shedding his cells and replacing them with polarized silicon, which gives him a prolonged resistance to adverse environmental conditions. It's an interesting combination of elements, making him a tough little son of a bitch. Oh, that, is, that is from Alien, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, when they're talking about the face, I guess. And then yes. it would be Ash. I know this sounds crazy, but ever since yesterday on the road, I've been seeing this shape. Shaving cream, pillows, damn it, I know this, I know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> you got there first. Um, there'll be Close Encounters of the Third Kind, mm -hmm. spoken by Richard Dreyfuss' character. Yep, Rickard. Roy Neary. Yeah, Roy Neary, and, um, and, in and relation to the... They're just the aliens. The encountered <laughs> closely aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't say they don't look like that. That's what they look like, right? They look like prawns. <laughs> it's District 9? Yes. In relation to... In the, the prawns. Yeah, the prawns. 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 The prawns. You wicked. There's no glowing fingers on these bastards. We've got a bunch of extraterrestrial psychopaths on our hands. E.T. 2. <laughs> Fingerless uh, Venus. No. Uh, like a visit from a planet full of Charlie Mansons. 
They've started on something small, so it's my guess they'll go on to something bigger next time, like Christchurch or Wellington. Auckland? Yeah, well, that wouldn't be so bad. Oh, oh! Is that from Bad Taste? It is. Oh, oh it is. Uh, Probably spoken by a character that Peter Jackson was playing because he played multiple characters in that movie. Uh, yeah, Derek. Yeah, Derek. cool. Right. Um, Derek. Uh, we came here from a dying world. We drift through the universe from planet to planet, pushed on by the solar winds. We... That's the uh, Body Snatchers, or Invasion of the Body Snatchers, yep. 1977 remake, voiced by Leonard Nimoy's character. It was 1978, but... 78, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so close! Points up, points up. Like, yeah. Completely different movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Check the New Zealand release date, Andrew. I think, no, I, I wasn't alive then either. Uh, no, one more, Andrew. One more? Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. You know, I've noticed an infestation here. Everywhere I look, in fact, nothing but undeveloped, unevolved, barely conscious pond scum, totally convinced of their own superiority as they scurry about their short, pointless lives. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. <laughs> no. Uh, this uh, is a trick question, because it's, in fact, a, not a dialogue that is speaking about aliens at all. No, 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 we're the infest. I know it's someone talking about us as the infestation. I'm just not sure what movie it's from. So many. We're, we're, the, in, we're, we're the problem. If not uh, real life. Indeed. It's getting existential. Uh, but there is a certain irony in the character who is saying it, um, who is referred to as a uh, as a bug in the film. Oh, Men oh. in Black. Men in Black. Uh, right. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's mm -hmm. cockroach uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. cockroach guy, Edgar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Hooray. Yeah. Very good. So, so at the end of that round, uh, Jeff is doing all right, but I'm still... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still tempted to dock points here and there. But he's sitting on six at the moment. Scott, four... Ben six. Uh, Mort has got one, but because I believe in affirmative action and bringing uh, female members of the cast up to the four, she's now got five. Hey. Cat's <laughs> uh, still got ten, and yes, yeah, so that's where we are. So congratulations to those of you who've gotten some points this round. <laughs> um, I, I thought we could move into some homework. Uh, so... Ben, I hear you have a rat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought to myself, what's more relevant and hip than a 40-year-old white man doing a rat as Eminem has uh, so recently demonstrated? All right. Um, so I have, oh yeah, I have created Aliens the Rap. Mm -hmm. I haven't practiced this a lot, so uh, I don't know how this is going to go. Do you need me to drop a fat beat? Well, you can, you can just, you can join in if you like. Jeff, My we'll time just, has come. Don't. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just take it nice and slow, so we'll see how we go. Okay. Come gather round, fellas, let me tell you a tale About an oar-towing mission that was destined to fail It's the story of the gory death of space truckers Who were trying to do their job without causing a ruckus And it's scary, but hey, what a hell of a show though When a monster chills down on the crew of Nostromo Creeping around in the dark to reduce him Before that happens, I need to introduce him There's Parker and Brett, they're engineers of merit There's Lambert and the captain, who's played by Tom Skerritt You'll be seeing Ian Holm as a cat who's plot critical And an orange cat named Jones, who's a cat who is 
literal. John here is too, too. John hurts even more later. If only he would follow biosecurity procedure, but he doesn't. And so on the hero's journey is the only person in the world named Sigourney. Our crew is chilling out, just getting some Z's. When mother wakes him up, just as rude as you please, gathering the gang of five dudes and two chicks, telling him to check out LB-426. So they come into land, find an alien craft, and a pit full of eggs. And though it seems daft, Kane goes poking around and meets the face hugger. Maybe you just shouldn't have put your face there, motherfucker. They take him on back and they put him on a bed. They try to work out how to get the crab thing off his head. But it falls off and dies and off Kane's duty there's resumption. They seem to think he's fine, which is a hell of an assumption. And so it soon proves when they're eating in the mess and a blood-covered puppet comes out of John Hurt's chest and skizzes off all speedy while everyone sounds speechless. Ha ha, says Ridley Scott, you didn't see that coming, bitches. And while the crew is wondering just what they should be doing, the then of authors out there just instantly maturing and it kills them one by one just doing the rounds. It's basically it, but it's better than it sounds. It's a bit of a diversion while they're being destroyed when it turns out Ash is actually an android and tries to kill Ripley. But oh, what a thrill though, seeing home go crazy long before he was Bilbo. But Ripley survives, because she really has no equal. If she thinks she kicks ass now, you should see her in the sequel. So there's only her left, because she's got the most endurance. She self-destructs the Stromo, so I hope they got insurance. The alien's tenacious, and though the ship's been scuttled, and finds a way to sneak with her onto the shuttle. So she blows it out, the airlock shoots it with the grappling gun, and barbecues it with the jets to make sure it is done. She opens up a sleep pod and she and the cat get in it, and we the viewers know she will be rescued any minute. It's a heck of a film, and a haunted viewer's dreams, while critics poured over its psychosexual themes. And so ends the tale of Ripley and her cat. In space no one can hear you scream, but they can hear you rap. My hands have more saliva covered on them than the walls of that that um, colony. Ugh, rough. Uh, Doc one from Jeff. I was going to say congratulations, Ben. Um, ten points. Uh, ten Michael Fassbenders and a handful of Space Marines Ooh. for you for that. Well, I forgot that I've got this big list of things to award. So you get you get not just one Michael Fassbender, but ten. two. Oh, Ooh, ten Michael, ten Michael Fassbenders. You get ten. How many of them are playing the recorder? Uh, is, that, is that five pairs making out with each other? <laughs> <laughs> how, how many would you like to be playing the recorder? Uh, completely up to you. Um, we have some more homework as well. How about? Uh, Scott, I hear you have um, some history. I, I do, I do. Um, and I will very ably follow that rap. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> okay, so let's just, let's just, just lower our expectations and, and uh, raise the culture level here, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, <clears throat> I, I, I want to discuss, discuss the history of, of this, this fine creature we're, we're exploring tonight. Um, while it is generally believed that the 1979 feature documentary on the subject was the first time humanity was made aware of the Internecivus raptus, uh, also known as the Xenomorph XX121, uh, humanity has in fact had a long and complicated relationship with the species. Uh, for example, the Fabergé egg art objects uh, were, you may know, uh, deliberately designed to be extremely delicate and breakable so as to instill in people a sense of cautious dread when close to egg-shaped objects. Which <laughs> <laughs> is an example of the way society has tried to train us to be cautious of these creatures. Um, the famous masked balls of Venice were established so that, that gentlemen and ladies of society who had the misfortune to be afflicted with the scourge of face-huggery could still attend society events. <laughs> Indeed, awareness of these fearsome creatures goes right back to antiquity. 
the famous Greek philosopher Zeno was in, in such high demand <laughs> by the citizens of Athens that he employed a celebrity lookalike to impersonate him in public. This impersonator, known as Zeno Morph, uh, <laughs> eventually became he eventually became a great thinker in his own right. And his most famous accomplishment is is known as Zeno Morph's paradox. The paradox concerns the scenario in which you find yourself at one end of a dark hallway with an alien at the other end. <laughs> the question is, how long will it take the creature to reach you and tear your innards from your flimsy bone carapace? So let's say the alien covers half the length of the, the hallway in 12 seconds. It will then take six seconds to cover the, the uh, half of the remaining distance, then three seconds to cover half of the remaining distance, then 1.5 seconds to cover half of the remaining distance, then 0.75 seconds to cover half of the remaining... You get the idea. The point is, it will never reach you, ladies and gentlemen. It will never reach you. And he proved this mathematically because it always has a half, a half of a way to go. And, and, and so these poor creatures were trying to get their lunch and they just couldn't reach. There was this invisible line of infinity they were regressing towards and they just couldn't cross it. Uh, and that is why, ladies and gentlemen, ze the xenomorph species in Tenesivus raptors evolved their unique inner jaws <laughs> in order to <laughs> over the line and scoop grey matter from the brains of smug philosophers. <laughs> and so this, this, uh, this, uh, this is the end of my, my story. This is uh, one of the deleted scenes from Rudyard Kipling's Just So Stories. Very good. Mm, thank you. <laughs> points for that, I think, as well as the alien trophy from uh, Predator 2. Woo! Mm. Yeah, how does that okay. sound? You can stick it right. on your wall. Is it, is it a trophy I get to keep or do I have to hand it back next year? Um, no, you can keep it. Awesome. Yeah, although if you'd prefer to engrave your name across the front of it and send it on, that works too. Um, you can you can negotiate with the Predator and and see who's going to come out there. Predator, 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 Predator. <laughs> Scott Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'll um, take it. <laughs> uh, Moata, you have a round for us? Oh, I do. I do. Um, so my round is called Ripley, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I did toy with the idea of trying to say it like Jack Pellets, but I really can't pull it off. Um, oh, gosh, I'm really that old. Nobody really knows that. I got it. No, no, I love it. Okay, you get another five points for seniority. about Alan Ripley and you guys need to tell me if you believe it or not okay. uh, and I am, am the sole judge of whether or not these things are true it doesn't necessarily have to do anything with reality <laughs> no, no, well some correspondence may be entered into but it better be fucking good correspondence mm. <laughs> okay first one Ripley would watch 12 seasons of the Big Bang Theory Believe it or not. I believe it because uh, she has caused that many big bangs in her career, blowing up various starships, mm. uh, that uh, she just can't get enough of it. That's an awfully literal interpretation of that TV show. Have you ever actually watched it? <laughs> not a single <laughs> minute. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, believe she would, I believe she would watch it, but only insofar as she would press play before she went into hypersleep and then play mm. while she was asleep. So at least she could get it out of the way for conversation with the other guys on the ship. Because the other guys on the Nostromo were probably fans of the Big Bang Theory. They're obnoxious, misogynistic, they don't listen to women very well. Um, and so just to shut them up, she would have played it while she was in hypersleep and then said, yeah, I've seen it. Well, unsurprisingly, you're both correct, but mm. for the wrong reasons. Although I did really like your reasons. Mm. The reason is um, that 
Ripley suffers from PTSD. She has ter- she's racked with terrible nightmares, <coughs> and she watches Big Bang Theory for its mild sedative quality. Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> so, okay, uh, next one. Ripley would be okay with abortion legislation sitting within the Crimes Act. No, sometimes you just need to take out what's inside you really badly. <laughs> that is exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every woman has the right to not grow an entity within her own body if she doesn't want to, and having that choice removed is literally the stuff of horror movies. And, that, and as we learn in Prometheus, DIY alien abortions are not a cool not, time. Not cool. Yeah. It's, crazy. it's just crazy that Alabama removed the clause in, in case of rape, incest, or uh, well, alien well, uh, impregnation. <laughs> yeah. It's just all terrible. Anyway, next one. Uh, Ripley would burn half of King's Landing from the back of a dragon. <laughs> she is good with a flamethrower. Um, but doesn't, that, doesn't that mean she wouldn't need a dragon? Maybe. Yeah. I say she'd take off a nuclear site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would say that, yeah. but you're wrong. I'm wrong. Because yeah. <laughs> you only do that when there's no possibility of civilian casualties. Mm-hmm. What you do is you go for the queen. You go straight for oh. the queen. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> throw Daenerys. Yeah. Yeah. Go to where the queen is. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> But even well, still, we can, we can still appreciate the the beauty yeah. of Michael Bean. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ke- I'm keen as a bean. He's great. <laughs> keen on a bean. Uh, I think she, I, she's prettier. She's no, pretty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Yeah. Oh, I had to get something wrong at some point. Uh, next one. Ripley wears Reeboks. Uh, it's false because uh, Nike is is the god of, of victory, and she was victorious. I think she'd be Nike away. You're wrong, uh, and that was quite a weak a weak correspondence. Anyway. Uh, uh, Ripley does wear Reeboks, um, and in the Aliens film, and in 2016, Reebok actually re-released the, the exact model of. Of sneaker, they had never actually sold them to the public before. They released a very small number. Um, bonus points for um, if anyone can tell me they retail for one hundred seventy-five dollars. Bonus points if anyone can tell me what they fucked up about this release of these sneakers. The price. <laughs> <laughs> Way too high. Uh, no. Oh, <coughs> they only made them in men's. That's correct. I just thought of the most obvious fuck-up that they can make, and that's it. Men's size 8 to 12. So does she wear them while she's doing the trick shots in Alien Resurrection? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think... No, they were just in uh, the second no, it's Alien. 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 It's when she's operating the big machine. You're right. Yeah. Uh, and you win for yourself a nerd degree. <laughs> hey! Surprise! Very good. Uh, uh, That's what you get for interjecting. You know the, <laughs> but there's no more left. <laughs> you know the trick shot in Alien Resurrection? 
That's a real shot. Yes. Like she actually made that shot. Yeah. They actually had to digitally edit the shot, not not to make it look like she put the ball in there, but to cut out Ron Perlman's yes. huge grin yeah. when she actually just threw it behind her head and went straight through. Yeah, First he, take. He apparently, no, it was, it was the First, third take. Oh, third take. The third take, and the director had said to her, oh, actually, can you just throw it flat, because what we'll do is we'll just put it in in, in post. Yeah. Uh, so we needed to not go in the basket, because we'll just add it in digitally. <laughs> she nailed it. And then Ron, Ron Perlman, Perlman said, oh, fuck. And, <laughs> and he was in shot. But he, he, had, he waited a beat. Long so there was just long enough for the to get in the basket and they could just cut that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the process of just researching this particular question, I, I was like, oh, men's size 8 to 12. Now, Sigourney Weaver is quite tall, so I thought, oh, I was kind of trying to figure out would they have actually made them in a size that Sigourney Weaver could wear. Turns out she's a size 10, so she would have been all right. But I happened upon this because there's a website called wikifeet.com. <laughs> I, I am really not surprised. <laughs> the tagline of which is the collaborative celebrity feet website. Oh my God. Audience, please be assured I got the fuck out of there. <laughs> I did not think it. Okay. Next one. Uh, uh, Ripley prefers to take vacations in Singapore. There's a lot of parasites you could catch in Singapore. I don't know if she'd... I've heard. It's nice and warm. Uh, yes, but because it's so hot, she mostly goes out at night. Mostly. <laughs> nice. Anyone else? No. No, no. Uh, no, she doesn't. Uh, because... Um, Somebody with really curly hair, the worst thing is humidity. <laughs> you know what they have a lot of in Singapore? It's very, very humid. But an place. Alien 3 should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just change it all off. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, also, Birthman, what a shithole. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. it's not even on Earth. Uh, next one. Uh, if Ripley hung out with Moby a few times, um, <laughs> years later, he would claim in his memoir that they dated. No, because a Ripley hands out with aliens, not predators. Points to this man. Yep. I mean, the answer is yes, obviously. Yeah, he would. Baby's like, yeah, I totally went out with Ripley. We hung out heaps of time. Here are some photos of her looking incredibly awkward and uncomfortable while I have no shirt on to prove that we dated. Yeah. Uh, also, that happened to Natalie Portman, just in case anybody hadn't caught up on that news. Um, oh, one more, I think. Um, if Ripley were the British Prime Minister, she would have resigned months ago. <laughs> Believe it or not. Ooh. Again, I think take off and you decide for more, but it's probably a good option. Yeah. I mean, I think Ripley would. Um, Ripley wouldn't care what the majority of people said because it's dumb. She'd just say, no, you're fucking stupid. And then she'd just lock them out and just take off. Lock out <laughs> Europe and just take off. No, 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 lock out, lock out the rest of the British Parliament. Like oh, if she I was see. Prime Minister, okay. She That's would better. lock up That's the rest better. of the House of Commons and say, no, fuck you guys, we're not leaving the European Union. And just send, you know... Because, I mean, I'm pretty sure Boris Johnson has some kind of parasite attached to his head. <laughs> like, it doesn't look human. Is, it, is that what happened to Jonesy? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, well, I just said that she would not resign. She would go down with the flaming mm. 
catastrophic ship that the yeah. UK is. Pardon if the one of you are from the United Kingdom, but yeah. She'd no, jump she's off, not ditching. She's she'd jump off the landing holding Brexit to yeah, her yeah. chest <laughs> as it tried to escape. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's making sure it yeah. dies. And that's my round. Good, very good. <laughs> so at the moment, um, probably Ben and Jeff are, are hovering roughly in the lead. Uh, but maybe they're just getting closer and closer to the end of the hallway and we'll have to, <laughs> to, to figure that out a little bit later on. Um, Jeff, I think you have... Do you, do you have something to read to us? I do. I'm, I've, I've gone for... We've all done sort of cultural homages to the various alien movies out there, and so I thought, um, because I can... Uh, surprise, surprise, I can sometimes go on for a bit. Um, I thought I'd limit myself to very short poems about each of the alien films. So I have com composed a series or a sequence of haikus. Or haiku, sorry. The plural of haiku is haiku. Uh, Lost a point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've, I've composed various haiku about um, the alien movie. So the first haiku is dedicated, of course, to alien. How would you like us to respond? Oh, uh, well, basically, if at the if, as in traditional beat poetry style, if at the end of each poem you could give me some finger clicks, that would be fabulous. Excellent. Okay, so. <laughs> when men don't listen, there's an unplanned pregnancy. Bad consequences. Aliens. Once a horror film, now it's an action movie passing Bechdel test. <laughs> Alien versus Predator 1 and 2. Because <laughs> I couldn't bear making multiple haiku. No Ripley, no plot. Just smash these toys together. The audience lost. <laughs> Prometheus. Hey there, Ridley Scott. What are you adding to lore? Oh, space Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly less derision. This is another one for Prometheus. Robots, aliens, some very bad decisions, and some big questions. And Alien Covenant. I've got two for this one, because why not? We got aliens crossing over with Blade Runner. Are we entertained? <laughs> or on a more profound level. The more you are shown, the less opportunity to imagine it. Ooh. And those are my haiku. Ooh. Thank you. How many haiku did you read? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine haiku. Well, no, you don't get nine points. No, you fair have, enough. You can have three. Yeah, fair um, <laughs> uh, I mean, there were three. Yeah. There were possibly three good ones. Yeah, you can you can have three and a race through the air ducts. So, oh, nice. um, and you can decide if you win that race or not. Uh, ben, you've got a round for us. Yeah. So I was thinking about uh, quite famously or infamously um, there. There was no. Really, Scott had a different idea for the end of Alien. Does anyone know what it was? I do. Jeff knows. Does anyone other than Jeff? Yeah, know? sorry. <laughs> um, 
Andrew, oh, look, yeah, it's it's quite yeah. so. Um, go and tell us, Jeff. Well, the <laughs> the original ending was that the xenomorph would actually kill Ripley. It would get into the shuttle and then it would record a message using Ripley's voice. Uh, to tell them that everything was fine, and then it would just sort of head off into yeah. an uncertain future. So it was going to bite off Ripley's head, yeah. and then use the radio in her voice, and it, which is just weird to think about. I think it's so weird because the idea of the alien like pressing a button and going hello is just <laughs> is so weird. So I was thinking about. So luckily, the studio said, "No, we're not going to give you money unless you don't do that." Basically, they said, "We're not providing money for filming." So I, I I had a bit of a look at some um, some other endings of science fiction and sort of thriller films oh. that we we didn't get that we could have got, but that some of these actually got filmed, some of them actually got released, and some of them were just ideas. So I'm wondering if people could tell me uh, if they know what they or maybe just make one up if you don't know what the. So does anyone know what the original end of Doctor Strangelove was? Uh, Andrew, it was a pie fight. Yes. Quite right. There was going to be the war room is just going to have an enormous cream pie fight, and then uh, Stanley Kubrick decided that would be a bit. A bit I mean, you can't fight in the war room, so no. a bit silly. Yeah. yeah. And then he went vegan. So um, hold it back. Does anyone know the alternative end for Ash versus uh, Evil Dead: uh, Armies of Darkness? Oh. Yes. Uh, Ash uh, drinks the special potion that'll put him to sleep until he wakes up in the present. But in the original ending, he actually drank too many drops. He lost count and dropped too, drank too many drops of the potion, and so he slept into a post-apocalyptic future where the world has been taken over by deadites, and he has to fight them in a cybernetic future. Exactly right. He, which, nope. is, <laughs> which is also the um, cliffhanger ending that they had at the end of the series, Ash vs. Evil Dead, which was made okay. recently, parts of which were, well, most of which was filmed in New Zealand. There you go. Yeah. And they, following off of that, he then joins the crew of the Nostromo. <laughs> Maybe. They actually shot Please. that ending. You can see it on the yeah, DVD, yeah. and there's nothing cybernetic about it. No, he just he <laughs> wakes up with a cybernetic. It's just, it's just like he wakes up in the post, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. He yeah. Sleeps, sleeps too far. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's the one in the, the, in the TV series. Uh, Blade Runner, of course, has famously oh. any number of endings. Uh, they Were they the one where they drive off it happily into the hills? Uh, using the footage, using footage from um, The Shining. The uh, of the Shining. Yeah, yeah. So of course, there's <laughs> the voiceover version, the one with Harrison Ford's voiceover, and then the one that took away the voiceover. Um, there's also they were thinking about having Deckard shoot Rachel at the end of the film, uh, or Deckard shooting Rachel because she asked him to. And also, there was an ending planned where Edward James Olmos is chasing them down the road at the end, in like a car chase kind of scenario, which would be weird. And then um, there's the ending where. Uh, Edward James Olmos's character, who has been making paper animals all through the film, and he makes a, a unicorn at the end, uh, is revealed that these are all miniature replicants, and he's been making them all over the world, <laughs> and they all get uh, like Order sixty six style activated and just start <laughs> taking over the world. There would have been just this army of what a shame. We or, never got or, or there's one where there's um, Harrison Ford uh, like is, is happy, Deckard is happy in a thing, and he's in the kitchen and he's chopping some stuff, and then he forgets something in the other room and he starts running with the knife and he falls over, and that's why you shouldn't run with blades. Oh. Minus points. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going for the first negative score in the red degree. Do a couple more. Um, the plan for the ending of Return of the Jedi. Does anyone know what that was? So this came out quite recently. Gary Kurtz, who used to be George Lucas's producer, had a, an interview with someone, where, and he they kind of had a falling out over the initial treatment of Return of the Jedi. Less drums. <laughs> Fewer drums, almost no Ewoks at all, in fact. 
well, was massive that... fallout from the explosion. There's a, like a nuclear winter across Endor. <laughs> And it's like just Ewoks just landing splattered all over by chunks of Death Star. Yeah. Because kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Ewoks were originally supposed to be Wookiees, is that right? Uh, that was one thing they, they talked about. But Gary Kurtz in this interview said, um, we had an outline and George changed everything in it. He said, instead of a bittersweet and poignant, uh, he wanted a euphoric ending with everybody happy. The original idea was that we would recover the kidnapped Han Solo, the early part of the story, and he would die in the middle part of the film in a raid on an Imperial base. Mm. George decided he didn't want any of the principals killed, by that time, there were really big toy sales, and that was the reason. Oh. Um, so some principals did die. The ending was... <laughs> um, the ending had the rebel forces in tatters, Luke, uh, Leia, Leia, Leia grappling with her new duties as queen, and Luke walking off alone like Clint Eastwood in the Spaghetti Western. Mm. At the end. Nice. Which would have been a downer. Yeah, would have yeah. been a downer. But instead, we got a teddy bear luau, so good times. Yeah, we'll do a couple more. Seven. Does anyone know what the original ending of Seven was supposed to be? Oh, um, it's actually Uber Eats in the box. <laughs> <laughs> he ordered like lunch for all of them, and they were just sitting and have a picnic in the field under the pylons. It's really nice. You're not actually far away. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 studio didn't like that it was so dark. So at the end, they tried to change it to... This such a chuckle fest. Yeah, I know. <laughs> They're like, this is too grim. So what if, instead of Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box, it was the family dog's head in a box? <laughs> Which is just so terrible. And then they have a picnic and they And then your Brad Pitt's yeah. like, I love my dog, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, um, so... But Brad Pitt had actually had it written into his contract before he signed in to play the film that they wouldn't change the ending. Okay. So yeah. they couldn't. Um, and Gwyneth was dating at the time, weren't they? Mm. Yeah. So he's like, no, you've got to chop off my girlfriend's head. <laughs> <laughs> it is you essential. You have to. It's in the contract. Um, yeah, sure. And last one, say, so, uh, Brazil. Terry Gilliam. Terry Gilliam film, uh, film, Brazil, science fiction film. Again, this sort of came out. There was actually a huge war. I mean, yeah, this was a, a bit of a Blade Runner situation, wasn't yeah, it? And yeah, yeah. They've had like a billion different versions. So there was a release, released version of the... Um, uh, outside the United States and the one inside the United States. Um, one of them's a happy ending, right? Yes. It's all a dream ending, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. The, there's, there's the, the ending of the film that it ex exists in the proper, in Terry Gilliam's version, is that um, he, he sort of, kind of, uh, we see him getting away from it all and escaping with his girlfriend to, to the country and living an idyllic lifestyle. And then it's revealed that he's hallucinating all that because his mind's broken yeah. because he's still being tortured. And in, uh, when they released it in the States, they took off that bit at the end where it's revealed that he's being tortured. So he just escapes with his girlfriend yeah. and lives mm. happily ever after. And it makes no sense at all. And Terry, Terry Gilliam was so upset with this that he just started running around and just showing it his version to everybody. <laughs> Um, it's, it's the somewhere that's green ending. Yeah, the yeah. unreleased version of the film was named Best uh, Picture of the Year by the LA Critics Association um, to try and get them to release it. Then Terry Gilliam took out a, a full-page newspaper ad begging the studio <laughs> to release his version. And finally, he was on a TV interview, and people kept saying, we, we hear this, about this great you know, version of Brazil. Why don't we get to see it? And he said, well, the person that's responsible is the head of this movie studio, and if you don't like it, his phone number is... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he doxed him. And so they eventually, he, yeah, he, they, they gave in and they released it on the, the proper version. Yeah. 
Also, in the, in the happy ending version, Brazil made it to the, to the uh, final of the Football World Cup. <laughs> 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 sort of detail on the happy for them. They were yeah. brilliant. There we go. That's your channel, Benix. Right. So, so at the end of that round, Jeff, against all odds, is yeah. still ahead. Oh, sorry. I keep docking him points, and he just keeps <laughs> coming I keep back. Talking. He just, he just keeps coming on and on like the great plague of Xenomorphs. But the original ending of the show thing. was Jeff taking those guys. Uh, toy sales. <laughs> but, but, but everyone else is, is doing okay, I guess. Um, I thought I'd divvy up some. Who who wants a patch of land on the Exo Moon Colony Hadley's Hope? Anyone? Uh, can we choose the patch? Sure. Why not? Can I get a patch that's quite far away from the alien ship? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can. Who would like um, Spike the dog that gets ripped to bits? Before or after? Uh, <laughs> your choice. Oh, your choice. I'll take Spike the Dog before. And who would like every single vagina HR Giga snuck into the production design? <laughs> Very good. Okay, so um, I'm just gonna, it's, it, I feel like a, a mother at a birthday party giving out, <laughs> giving out um, little airing doggy bags. a bunch of vaginas. It yes. was great. <laughs> it was so good. Okay, right, moving right along. Um, Moata, you have some homework for us. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Um, so I was thinking about Alien, the, the original Alien film, um, and I, I kind of, there's an aspect of it I think has been unexplored, and I'd, I'd like to talk about that. So, you know, it's been discussed a lot that, you know, there's all these allegories for motherhood and birth and reproduction in that film. Uh, and I'm not going to go into that very much because Erin literally has a PhD on that, <laughs> that kind of thing. You can get a PhD on that. <laughs> so there you uh, go. And I'll look like an idiot if I talk about that. But I think it could be taken a step further. I think the natural and logical next step from, from that idea is that xenomorphs are just giant confused babies. And they're just looking for their mother. Aww. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, you think about it, you know, the first time you see them, there's this egg, and then they come out freshly hatched, and they just, they just latch onto the first person that they see. <laughs> it's like, aww. Um, and they're just so desperate for connection, you know, like, skin-to-skin skin contact, which is, like, so, so important for a new, newborn. And they just, you know, all they want is a cuddle. They just want a hug. If it's somebody's face, well, you know, that's okay. And then and then just having a cuddle with someone's face, and then everybody, what's the big deal? They get stressed out by it. People are all, like, trying to rip them off the person's face. It's, like, quite stressful for them. They're only, like, only just being born, guys. Um, and then after they're born, you know, and so they're on there for a while, and then, there's, you know, they sort of, you know, they're on there for a while, and then this other version of the alien is born um, and it's not a nice birth, it's not one of those Scientology births where you have to be completely quiet and still so that the newborn doesn't suffer any trauma. Um, it's all screaming and oh my god there's a hole in his chest and they, you know, they're just terrified and they just like run off to find a dark little corner to hide in because Aww. it's very stressful for them and they traumatised and um you know, they're just making the best of the situation. They're just exploring. They're just putting things in their mouths because that's what babies do, right? They just, oh, what's this? Ah, oh, try and eat it. The little scamps. Uh, and, and they're just, you know, they're just alone in the dark. 
you know, clanking around in ventilation shafts, and that's not the sort of environment for a baby. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm going to say it, that's neglect. That is actual <laughs> neglect. And um, they're just lost, in, uh, just a lost and confused baby looking for their parent, um, much, in much the same vein as Fievel, the little mouse from an American oh. tale. Oh. Somewhere, somewhere in out there, there yeah. beneath the pale moonlight, someone's <laughs> thinking of you and loving you tonight. Thank mm. you. Oh. So, so would you call that attachment parenting? <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that Ripley went? She'd have just been playing peekaboo. Animals can't do object permanence. <laughs> but it's, it's like the Cloverfield version of Alien, where it's just this big angry baby smashing up New York City because his mother left him all alone. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you've got it. Yeah. Points, for you, yeah. points, fuck, points for me. Actually, the, the original, uh, Dan O'Banner's original idea was that, wasn't actually dissimilar to that. I was reading that um, the, the life cycle was, you know, the, the egg face hugger, then it come, the adolescent comes out, and it's, it's, it's this child which is uncontrollable and ragey, but then it eventually evolves into a cultured adult and they have an art and civilization and stuff. And they basically, oh. they just like keep them in this kind of holding pen until they kind of get, get it's just a phase they go through of, go, <laughs> of ripping just people Just a phase and just the them, they go through. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and all the adults inexplicably died in some accident and so all the eggs were left unattended. And that was, that was the original oh. idea. Yeah, I'm an actual genius. <laughs> so, so we've had um, aliens of big babies from Moata. Um, Andrew, you've got some homework that might complement that. Sort yeah? of. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I, I was thinking about you know the the reason we're here tonight, uh, which is that um, Alien has just turned forty, and um, I figure you know the xenomorph having now been around for forty years is probably going through something of a midlife crisis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so you kind of have to imagine um, uh, the xenomorph, like, it's kind of let himself go. Uh, got a beer belly. He's having a drink with his, his buddy, the predator. Um, uh, and he's just kind of, like, opening up. Um, and, he, and he sort of says something like this. Uh, I'm a xenomorph, and I just turned 40. I'd say I'm over the hill, but I've never seen a hill, so there we go. I thought I was depressed going through adolescence. I mean, you wouldn't believe how traumatic it is to grow in size by a thousand percent over just like 24 hours. But the worst was to come later, like now. Turns out turning 40 really makes you reassess the things you've done and the things you want to do. As for my job, well... It's difficult to stay engaged when all you do is pop out of ceiling vents at people. That was, sure, it was fun in my 20s, but holy shit, guys. Like, just do not let yourself, young self, decide the whole path of your life cycle. Eventually, you just get tired of the same old workplace firefights. I'm honestly climbing up the walls sometimes. <laughs> I thought having kids would give me a purpose, but, I mean... You know, with with us, all I have, all I do is find hosts to act uh, to people to act as hosts for my mother's new children, and they're all from different fathers. <laughs> then I'm supposed to just stay there and protect them. And I mean, you try and keep all your kids within two meters inside the room. <laughs> I've had the same girlfriend my whole life, and it has been a problem. Uh, it, it it would be all right if our relationship was pro was positive, but. 
Holy shit, Ellen has literally tried to kill me multiple times. <laughs> literally kill me. To be fair, it's, it's a mutual thing, sometimes. <laughs> Every time I think it's over between us, we, all, we just always seem to get straight back together. I mean, I pursued her for so long, but I just had no idea what to actually do when we hooked up. <laughs> Everyone thinks she kicked me out of the airlock, but that was just me running away, humiliated. I even thought she was dead for a while. Imagine my fucking shock when she turned up once again, that same hunger in her eyes. If anyone, I'm the one who needs a resurrection at this point. <laughs> I mean, I tried to date other women, it just never worked out. Just feels like something doesn't quite work. Even, even when Ellen was toting a, a, some other person's kid around with her just to demonstrate how well she could survive without me, when she called my mother a bitch, like, <laughs> I, just could, I just could not stand away. Classic toxic masculinity. <laughs> I mean, now, now I'm just a mess. Sometimes I hurt myself just to feel like I'm alive. But when your blood is concentrated acid, the cleanup's a real killer. My landlord hates me. I don't know why I chose to live at Hadley's Hope. <laughs> I'd get myself a new ride if I could. I mean, after all, I've been just hanging out in cargo ships for years, but my frame just isn't really built for sports cars. And, and who would take a midlife crisis penis extension seriously when my entire head is a giant penis? <laughs> and it's not like I can afford to buy expensive things anyway. If I'm lucky, I get a free lunch on the job, and I mean, I've got mouths to feed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go to therapy if I could, but honestly, after all the experiments and so on, I just don't trust doctors. All they want to do is poke me and prod me and turn my DNA into a weapon. <laughs> So what am I gonna do to improve my well, mental well-being? Get a cat, it would just run away from me. Get a dog, it wouldn't last. Get more sunlight, I mean I mostly go out at night, mostly. <laughs> Scream into my pillow, nobody would hear. Mm. Let's be honest, I'll probably just do what I always do. Lurk around in air shafts and murder people until they blow me out in airlock. Until another 40 years pass. Oh. How many points do I give that? Forty. <laughs> Forty points. I really identify with that alien. <laughs> 40, Forty points and some picturesque images of uh, Milford Sound. Nice. You can have in there too. Aliens have, have like you have like dog years. Are they alien years? Like do they like, uh. measure their years differently? Maybe. Probably, it probably changes depending on the point of the life cycle. We've never seen an alien live to its natural death, no. <laughs> admittedly. Yeah. Like in the alien rest home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they actually, like they actually live super long, but if they don't get <laughs> killed first. Yeah. You could have a Bubba Hotep, Ash, yeah. alien, Predator. big smash up. That Freddy, didn't, that Jason. Didn't well. like, <laughs> like trying to mush up their food. The producers <laughs> will hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, it's like they've got the, the thing, but it's no, there's no teeth. Poor old alien, literally old alien. Um, now we have time for one more round, and Jeff, I believe that you have a very complicated round for us to end this show. It's with. reasonably complicated. Now, obviously, we have had the uh, phenomenal crossover movie, uh, or at least concept, of Alien versus Predator. Uh, the movies did not execute it, this premise really well. Uh, there was a really great graphic novel series from Dark Horse, which I recommend highly, which is, um, of course, Alien vs. Predator, a great series. Um, but um, it made, made, you, made me think, how would other aliens fare in a one-on-one -on -one battle royale? 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to propose a um, death match of a, a type of alien versus another type of alien or aliens, and I'd like the panelists to uh, let me know who they think would win. Uh, you could just say one or the other. You could give me a, a reason. We we'll try and influence it, and based on your responses, we will see who will survive our alien battle royale. We will go through until we have found the ultimate alien champion so is, of pop is it, culture. Is this like fantasy football? I have no idea what fantasy football is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sure, why not? Okay. okay. Sci-fi football. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, so. Let's see how these two would do against each other. We'll start with the classics, obviously. Uh, round one is The Thing versus The Blob. Starting with Andrew, who do you think would win? Um, I, it would totally be The Thing, because the thing? Yep. Um, if nothing, if for no other reason than The Thing can just uh, imitate The Blob and um, uh, <laughs> just pretend to be its friend until it like backstabs it <laughs> right. and uh, okay. rips it apart at a molecular molecular level. Great. <laughs> ben? Uh, I think I think the the blob has the blob? got an advantage in that it's a blob. <laughs> it's very hard to know what to do when you're approached by a blob. You can't like it's it's difficult to, you know, uh, mess with a blob psychology, yeah. which is basically <laughs> the things, you know, Modus Amberendo. So I think the blob's just going okay. to dissolve him. Scott, thing or blob? Uh, I'm going to go blob also. And, blob? and my, oh. my, my justification is that um, I think people underestimate. It's like, like the blob it just sounds ridiculous. It's like Mr. Stay Puff. It's just funny. And then it starts killing you yeah. <laughs> because you don't expect it. You're just yeah. like, oh, just going to walk away yeah. and leave it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Malata, thing or blob? I'm going to faint. Oh. <laughs> doesn't really have much modus operandi. Like, it's just a blob. It's it a blob, yeah. Whereas the thing, at least, it, you know, it acquires all the knowledge and um, qualities of the, the things that it sort of kills. All right. Whereas uh, the blob just kind of... So we've, we've, got, we've got a, uh, we've got a death heat, the, the thing versus <laughs> blob. Uh, Dr. Harrington, I'll defer to your expertise. Uh, thing. 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 Right, thing uh, wins the first round. Because uh, if they were battling it out in Antarctica, the blob would freeze. Very true. Oh. Very true, very true. All right, round two. Round, round two, we will start down with Moata. We have Klingons from Star Trek versus Vogons from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, I'm going to go Vogons. Vogons. I, I just don't, I, I don't think that the Klingons have... They don't have any defence against that, you know. Yeah. Administration. Yeah, and I think I've demonstrated the power of bad poetry with my haiku. Yeah. Scott, Klingons or Vogons? Um, it would depend on whether the Vogons gave significant notice in advance that they were they were coming. Um, I mean, do, do they put like a notice on the community Klingon community notice board saying we will attack you? Next Monday? Well, they would do it in a supply closet at the bottom of a defunct staircase with a sign on the door saying, Beware of Jaguar. Okay. In order okay. to sort of mislead them. Right. So I, I'm going to say on, on the strength that the, the Klingons didn't see it coming because they misfiled the paperwork, mm. that the, the Vogons will have the surprise attack. Two for Vogons. Mm. Uh, I think it's going to be Vogons too because oh. um, I don't think the Klingons can get it together to fight a war at the moment. They're just having a... Just a total crisis of identity. First they look like one thing, <laughs> then they look like another thing. Nobody knows what's going on. They're like they just must like come into yeah. a room and go, which version are we today? They're doing a lot of self-discovery. Yeah, exactly. So, 
and they can't. <laughs> even all for all their violence, they can't beat the power of bureaucracy. It's all right, and um, Andrew, although it is a futile effort, who do you think would win? Um, uh, well, I'm not even going to engage in the futile thing because I think it would be Vogons as well. Because Chronos, uh-huh. uh, of course, the Klingon homeworld, um, is uh, is is at a a really like great place to put a uh, a bypass to the Beta Quadrant, <laughs> um, and so their their home planet is just going to go bye bye. Yeah. Okay. All right, round three. So Vogons, very clear winners in that one. Uh, next one. We have the Martian face-off. We have the Martians from War of the Worlds versus Marvin the Martian. All right, uh, Ben, kick it off. Who do you think would win? Uh, it's going to be Marvin the Martian. Yep. Uh, because he's uh, probably got some, uh, some germs from hanging around uh, Bugs Bunny all day. Mm. Uh, Maximatosis Possibly Kelsey virus Something yeah. like that <laughs> And that's going to mess The Martians from the War of the Worlds Right up They can't even survive The common cold So Absolutely yeah. uh, Andrew um, I think it's going to be The, the Martians from War of the Worlds right. Because um, uh, If there's If there's one thing we know About uh, Marvin the Martian That's that he uh, He moves very quickly And he's um, He's probably got a uh, I mean he's a, he's, a, he's a cartoon character He moves yeah. quickly He's got a probably A short attention span the, the longest narrative he's been involved in is probably like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas the, uh, you know, the, the Martians are, are vastly more patient than us and have slowly and, and steadily drawn their planes against us. And so too can they against Marvin the Martian. Absolutely. All right, Moita. Um, I'm going to go with um, Martians from North Worlds. Right. Uh, and just, just uh, on, you know, Martin's got like one little spaceship. Yeah. He gets around him. <laughs> um, and they've got lots. No. So I'm just going to go that way. Great. More uh, ships. Yeah. Scott? Uh, I'm going to agree. But I mean, even if we scaled it down to just one of the Martians from War of the Worlds, I think they still have the edge because, you know, when mighty foes uh, face off against each other, the earth shakes. And when the earth shakes, you need to be like, have a good. Like solid pose, <laughs> and that their secret weapon is a third leg. Like, yes. They just have a better like posture to, to, to stably command the ground. Marvin will fall over, and they'll just they'll have, they'll have the high ground. Alrighty, okay, round three, round three. This is cute versus cute. We've got Tribbles from Star Trek versus Porgs Ooh. from Star Wars. Who would win in a fight? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, Scott, I'll let you kick off. Um. Well, I think it's clearly Tribbles, because, I mean, we've, we've got documentary file footage evidence from The Last Jedi of Porgs just standing by while <laughs> one of their countrymen is eaten <laughs> by this hairy giant. Countrymen? It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, patriotic about like, <laughs> 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 A nation of Porgs. <laughs> yeah, and they, they just... I, I just don't think they have the fighting spirit in them. They just, like, they... they uh, they like to just chill out and just watch the waves crashing on the shore and drink blue milk and stuff. And I, I, green milk, green milk, various colours of milk. And they, but the, the, I, I don't think they got that spirit. Whereas the tribbles, they 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 go forth and they multiply. Basically. All righty, they got the numbers. Water. Yeah, I mean, yeah, porgs aren't. They're, they're not really fighters, but I mean, more than tribbles are. Yeah. Tribbles don't really do anything. I guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have your turn, Andrew. Tribbles. Lovers rather than fighters. So, so Porgs? How about Porgs? Porgs, okay, Andrew. Um, it's absolutely Tribbles. Tribbles right. would win. Um, <laughs> which actually, it actually uh, brings us back to one of our earlier fights because uh, the Klingons fought a, uh, a, a lengthy war with the Tribbles because the Tribbles, they breed so quickly that they almost eradicated the Klingon homeworld. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Porgs do not seem to have a particularly uh, 
particularly fast breeding cycle, um, no matter how many there are in those those cliffs in there. Um, I feel like the tribbles would just uh, exhaust all the resources okay. and, and just kind of starve them out. All right, Ben. I don't know if porgs can be underestimated in that area. How do those <laughs> porgs get on the Millennium Falcon? What are Chewie's biosecurity pr- procedures like? <laughs> He's taken them off those planets where they're just going to introduce... I would not be surprised if Rise of Skywalker comes out the end of this year, and the major problem is Porgs just been splitting like cane toads across <laughs> the planets, like the planets of the galaxy, and that's what everybody, probably the, you know, the First Order and the Resistance, put aside their differences to combat the Porg menace that has now taken over so many planets. Okay, that's a tie between Tribbles and Porgs. Erin, um, what do you reckon? I reckon Tribbles because we have the trouble with Tribbles, but not mm. the problem with Porgs. That's right. Okay, uh, moving on, we've got, uh, we've got uh, another Star Wars one. We've got Tusken Raiders. Versus Space Invaders. <laughs> Pretty much just because they rhyme. <laughs> so we've got Tuscan Raiders versus Space Invaders. Mm-hmm. Who would win? Um, uh, Scott, I'll let you kick this one off. Um, okay. Uh, so the... Uh, well, what, Space Invaders coming from space. It's cold. Tuscan Raiders are in the desert. It's, it's hot. Um, so it, it does depend on the location of, of, the, of the battle, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tuscan Raiders because they can they can kick sand in the in the windscreens of the of the Space Invaders. Okay, uh, Ben. I was watching Phantom Menace the other day, which I don't recommend. And um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but I did it anyway. <laughs> Sat there. Yes, I can't yep. But in the pod race, right in the Phantom Menace, the Tuscan Raiders are there, and they you know the yeah. the pods shoot fast incredibly quickly, and they they banks one. From the thing which is going to be great for the little ship that goes across the top <laughs> in Space Invaders. If they can hit a pod that goes past, they can hit that little ship that goes across the top. It's Again. just like shooting what rats as big as can you? Maximum points. That's right. worth 100. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you're going Tusken Raiders. <laughs> great. Andrew? Um, I'm going to go Tusken Raiders as well. Right. Um, uh, for the sole reason that Space Invaders, when they attack, they kind of like come down like, uh, uh, and you can kind of see them all, whereas Tusken Raiders ride in single file to hide their numbers. <laughs> so um, the, the Space Invaders are just going to be like, oh, there's, there's only one of them. Uh, and then they'll just be like flanked and, and just utterly, yep. Yeah. They'll get hit with those sticks. Water? <laughs> Because they have ships that like, fire things. They and do. Tusken Raiders yeah. are just, well, I mean, they're just hanging around on Tatooine with like some sticks. And they, I mean, they can shoot, but like, they're not an entire fleet of invading uh, spaceships. Okay. Uh, more ships again. All right, round six to face off. We have the beloved ones. E.T. versus Alf. <laughs> <laughs> Who would win in a fight between E.T. And Alf, in a domestic setting, <laughs> like someone's like a house in the late eighties, early nineties, oh. on Earth. Why? Right, I'll let you kick this one off. Oh, Alf. Alf. Alf all the way. Yep. Team Alf. Yeah. Uh, just kill him with his withering put downs and sarcasm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Scott. Uh, Alf, because he's he's more he's been living in the in the domestic environment for a while. He knows he knows about all the mod cons. You know. Uh, your fridge, oven, telephone. Telephone, importantly, because, you know, he, he, he's comfortable with that, whereas the telephone's a novelty for E.T. And he'll be distracted and go, oh, I need to phone home. And when he's distracted by the telephone, that's when Alf will attack. Right, cool. Ben? 
Um, I think E.T. because Elf's just kind of a bum. He just <laughs> hangs out at their house, eats their food. He doesn't really. E.T. actually has you know powers, and yeah. Elf mm. has no powers apart from he always wants to eat a cat. That's not really anything. Yeah. And when I was watching the Phantom Menace the other day. <laughs> <laughs> In the Galactic Senate, like, um, the ET's, like, yes. species is, so they have galactic representation, whereas, you know, so he can always count, call in powerful friends. Okay. Uh, off game. Clone and, army. Yeah, and Andrew? Um, it's, it's ET, because I feel like, um, uh, it, it, ET would kind of negate the, the need for a fight, because ET's just general good-heartedness mm. would, I feel like, rub off an elf, and, uh, elf would just want to be mates with ET. Okay. Erin, uh, you've got the deciding vote. E.T. because Elf's a douche. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what. <laughs> Alrighty, so we're into our we're into our second bracket. These are the um, these are the quarterfinals. So we have. Oh oh <laughs> okay, right. Okay, okay. okay. We're gonna have to hustle here. Yeah, we're gonna, yeah, hus- we're gonna have to, to hustle. Here. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the name of each one, and you're just gonna vote for it. I don't need arguments okay. here. We're gonna get down to the finals. We're gonna whittle, whittle it down until we've got our two final contestants facing off. And, and audience, if you disagree with what they're saying, make some noise. And if yeah, you yeah. agree with what they're saying, make some noise. It, yeah, cool. So uh, we have the thing versus Vogons. Starting down with Moata. Vogons. Vogons. Yes. Scott. Vogons. Yes. Ben. Vogons. The thing. The thing. <laughs> ah, I'm sorry. The thing has been eliminated oh. by bad poetry. All right, we have the Martians from War of the Worlds versus Tribbles. Uh, starting with you, Scott. Uh, Tribbles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Moita. I'm in Martians. Martians. Yeah. Andrew. Tribbles. Tribbles. Yeah. Ben. Martians. Martians. Erin, deciding vote. Martians. Martians oh. win. Tribbles are out. Okay. Oh. Final pairing before we go into the, the next round. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tuscan Raiders versus ET. Ben. Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan yeah. Raiders. Yeah. Andrew. <laughs> Tuscan Raiders. Moita. Tuscan Raiders. Tuscan Raiders. Scott. <laughs> Clear sweep for the Tuscan Raiders. Okay, which means we now have. Wait, we've now got three. We've now got three. Yes. Three-way, three-way battle for the win. We have a three. Oh, we have a three-way battle. Okay, so this is Vogons versus Martians versus Tuscan Raiders. Who would win in a battle royale? They walk into the late-night basketball court. One Tuscan Raiders come in through one door in single file. Martians come in through another door. It's a pity that we lost Marvin the Martian because he would have had like home court advantage. Yeah. So we've got Vogons, Martians, Tuscan Raiders. Give us a narrative of what happens first. Okay. Uh, Ben. Tell me how the fight would play out. Well, here's where I think the, the Tuscan Raiders have the advantage, right? In Star Wars, we see that like they find the Jawa, the Jawa Sandcrawler and it's been blasted. And there's a discussion about, hey, maybe the Tuscan Raiders did this. Which indicates that they're good, possibly good, at destroying large war machines. So mm. the Martians, when they come in with their tripods, yeah. I think they have a lot of experience. Especially they also are good at wrangling creatures with big creatures with legs. But the blast points were very precise. Only a stormtrooper has that level of accuracy. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't say a lot for Tuscan Raider accuracy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you think the Tuscan Raiders would win against the Vogons and the Martians? Well, I think over the Martians, certainly I don't know about the Vogons. Well, I, I, th- I think the Martians never turned up. I mean... Like they say the chances of anything over Mars are really right. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but still, but still, but still, yeah. still. So, who do, so who do you think would win, Scott? 
I mean, so so I mean, there you go. It's, it's, it, we only have a, it's a two two. Uh, horse so Bogons and Tuscans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who would you say would win in that? Um, I think that I think it would end up being a, a poetry slam. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, <laughs> yeah, it's percussive. It's really it's it's it's. I, I think that the Vogon style is 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 anachronistic these days. And I think I think the kind of more edgy Tuscan. Uh, Rhythm style. That, that so we're, you're going for Tus Tuscan yeah, Raiders yeah. as well. All right. With their fat beats. All right. Um, um, what? Who do you think? So we've got Vogons, Martians, Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, I don't think the point of the poetry is to be, you know, it, it's not about it being stylistically better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's taking things worse, isn't it? The poetry is that it makes you want to die. Yeah. Uh, and and I just I just think Vogons. Vogons. Just, just got the edge. Yeah. All right. Um, I reckon it's Vogons as well, but for a different reason, because I feel like, and th this is going to be like a, an absolute bloodbath. Like, yeah. like there's going to be basically nobody left alive at the, at the end of this fight. But uh, Vogons having a, a very robust health and safety uh, regimen, um, you know, they have to fill in forms to do like basically yeah. anything. Um, they, they would have the slight edge in like avoiding accidents during the fight. So yep. there'd probably be there there'd probably be like one left alive who's who just like didn't happen to slip on that patch of blood. Right. Because they identif they identified the hazard. <laughs> okay. So so the Martian the, there was the one that put, was putting up the cones while the fighting yeah, was taking yeah. place. And, and, All right. Well then we've 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 had the battle and um, the Martians have been completely eliminated, but it means that we do have currently a tie between oh. Vogons and Tuscan Raiders. Now, I normally would defer to you, Erin, yeah. but I think we can let the crowd decide yeah. because I'm all about mob rule. Um, <laughs> so, um, if you, so we've got Vogons versus Tuscan Raiders. Um, if you think that Vogons would win, please make some noise now. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. One person sitting notably with their arms folded. Um, <laughs> If you believe that Tuscan Raiders would beat Vogons in a fight, yeah. make some noise now! All yeah. <laughs> oh, right, well, it did have a lot more volume, but there were more people clapping for the Vogons, so I think after... Hey, hey, Tuscan Raiders disguised their numbers! <laughs> <laughs> no, simply based, simply based on that... Simply based on uh, the view there, I believe that the, the, the Battle Royale uh, Vogons. No, no, oh, wait. no, no, no. A new challenger has <laughs> entered. What a twist! Uh, I'm going to put it to the audience as to whether or not the Vogons can beat the Xenomorph and decide who <gasps> is going to win oh, the outcome yeah. of this um, overall episode. I would Royale. love. To, yeah. So this is a crossover: <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Alien franchise, which to They're be honest, the ultimate hitchhikers. It is, really. yeah. 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 Don't panic. Yeah, you are their rucksack. Um, <laughs> okay. So, 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 what do you think? Who thinks that the administrative, uh, um, <laughs> the, the administrative horrors of the Vogons could smash the Xenomorphs into tiny little acidic pieces? <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks that one, xenomorphs one. don't care about bureaucracy at all and would just eat everyone? <laughs> there we go. Uh, so the, the alien comes back ready for another sequel. And some of you might have seen in the news today Ridley Scott talking about potentials for further sequels. Mm. Yes, another David movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. More, 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 more. But that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, so I've tallied up the points and everyone died except for the cat. So oh. congratulations. Jonesy. To Jonesy. <laughs>
thank you so much for coming along. Uh, anytime you want to uh, have a listen to us, you can find us online at uh, nerddegree.com. Is it .com, .org, .org? You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and various other social media type things. You can also find our sibling show podcast, uh, Dungeons and Comedians. Many of, uh, many of you will be here for the next show tonight and you can find them online as well. But overall, we would like to thank you for coming along and celebrating this wonderful nerdversary. Thank you and good night. <laughs> Oh, my God.